What's up, everyone? Welcome to WFS, the Will Ford Show, episode 166, officially September, so it's almost football season. The preseason's wrapped up, and we're getting ready to start uh, week one of the regular season uh, here pretty shortly. Uh, my main story today that I'm going to talk about is Donovan Mitchell being traded from the Utah Jazz to the Cleveland Cavaliers. A little NBA talk to start, but then I'm going to talk about uh, the NFC East division in the NFL, the Dallas Cowboys, their injuries, who's going to win that division, and then also my prediction predictions, I guess, for division winners in the NFL this year to close the show. But I want to start with Donovan Mitchell to the Cleveland Cavaliers. Because this was a trade that I really didn't see happening for Cleveland. I thought that Donovan Mitchell was more than likely going to go to the Knicks in a package probably including um, probably not R.J. Barrett, but maybe like Kevin Knox, Julius Randle, players like that. And then Donovan Mitchell goes over to New York and plays in the Big Apple. But then talks kind of stalled there in New York and Cleveland kind of swooped in last minute and they got Donovan Mitchell. Uh, and what they sent over to the Utah Jazz. So the Jazz got Lori Markinen, a rookie wing. I'm going to butcher this name, but we'll try to, or try our best. Ochai Agbaji, Colin Sexton, three unprotected first-round picks in 2025, 2027, and 2029, and then two pick swaps for 2026 and 2028. And so that's, that's obviously a haul. And... For some reason this offseason, the market has been extremely inflated for you know trading for star players. I mean, we saw it when the Jazz traded Rudy Gobert to the Minnesota Timberwolves. They got a massive package back. So I'm going to talk about kind of everything that Utah received in their two trades this offseason. But the Cavaliers clearly won the trade. They didn't really have to give up too much as far as like starting rotation pieces. Laurie Markkinen comes off the bench. Rookie wing Ochai Agbaji. That took a lot. That took a while for me to get that name out. But trading away those two players, I, I don't think that really hurts you too much. Colin Sexton uh, was a, a great piece for them, uh, a young player that they were going to have to eventually pay. He was a restricted free agent, I believe, this offseason. And so they were going to have to match whatever uh, teams were going to offer him, anyways. And so by trading him away, and getting Donovan Mitchell, you're clearly upgrading. Colin Sexton is not so much of an offensive player. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is is way better on the offensive end. You may be sacrificing a little bit defensively. Sexton is a, a great on-ball defender, but that's totally fine. And then you do have to give up the picks. I mean, that's just kind of the nature of of these trades in the NBA. That These first-round picks have become much more, I don't know if valuable is the right word, or maybe it's less valuable because teams are so willing to give them up. But we've been seeing so many picks get sent away. And so the Cavs sent away three first-rounders in the future plus two pick swaps. And now their projected starting lineup, you have Darius Garland, who was an all-star last year, really nice young player, nice point guard, a good shooter scorer. Then Donovan Mitchell at your two. Isaac Okoro probably going to be your three. Uh, that's fine. He's a nice young player. Evan Mobley, one of the great players in last year's draft. And then Jarrett Allen, uh, a rim protector, rebounder, and does all your dirty work for you. And then you have you know a guy, obviously not a star anymore, but Kevin Love coming off the bench who can stretch the floor, provide some scoring, three-point shooting, and everything like that. 
And the Cavs were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference for a period of time last year with last year's roster before they kind of melted down a little bit towards the end of the year. But they did you know, make the playoffs and, and the play-in tournament and everything like that. So the, the Cavs were on the up and up. And I think if you add Darius Garland without removing really any key pieces, I mean, essentially you're only losing Laurie Markkinen who could stretch the floor a little bit, but that's fine. You're replacing Colin Sexton with Donovan Mitchell. This this Cavs team, it's going to be pretty good in the Eastern Conference next year. I'm not saying it's going to be a top four seed. I'm looking at probably five, six. Uh, I think they're better than the play-in tournament, but that's just obviously on paper. We don't know how it's going to work on the court, obviously. It's really hard to project that stuff. I mean, case in point is like 2013 when the Lakers traded for Dwight Howard, brought in Steve Nash, and... Obviously, injuries played a big part, but that never really worked out the way it was supposed to, at least in everybody's minds. And so obviously, we don't know if Mitchell in Cleveland is going to work all that well, but it looks great on paper, and it drastically increases their playoff chances. They're not not—they're obviously not a, not a title team, but I think once some of these players develop, like Garland, once he becomes a more consistent player and, and an all-star Jared Allen is already a well-established rim protector. Evan Mobley, I think, could be a star in this league. And then Okoro, like I said, he's a nice young player. Not a star, but a nice young player. The Cavs look great. And then earlier in the offseason, the Jazz also traded their star rim protector and you know a former multiple-time defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, to the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, and so... They got a haul back in that trade as well. And so altogether, if you collectively combine what the Jazz got in return for Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they got Laurie Markkinen, Ochai Ogjabi, Colin Sexton, Patrick Beverly, Malik Beasley, Leandro Balmaro, Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler, who was the number 22 pick in the 2022 draft uh, this past year, this year. 2023 first round pick, two 2025 first, a 2027 first, two 2029 first, two 2026 pick swaps, and a 2028 pick swap. That is unbelievable value for two very, very good players. So obviously the Jazz are in rebuild mode. They don't have a star. They, they have some pieces they can build around. They, and then Patrick Beverly, who they received in the Rudy Gobert trade from Minnesota, they then flipped Beverly for Taylor Horton Tucker and Stanley Johnson from the LA Lakers. So now, if you look at the backcourt, at least for the Jazz, it's Colin Sexton at the one, and then Taylor Horton Tucker at the two, which really, I think you can build around that a little bit, at least around Colin Sexton, because of his versatility defensively. You can guard any wing player. You can put them on anyone on the wing. So I like what the Jazz are doing as far as the rebuild because they've got a million picks to work with over the next 10 years. And they've got a lot of players. Sexton, marketing can plug right into the starting lineup. Malik Beasley is a nice scorer. Uh, and then some of these guys I don't really know all that well, like Jared Vanderbilt, Walker Kessler. You know, We'll, we'll see how those guys turn out. But they're young players. They're going to be a really young team. Maybe not terribly competitive, at least maybe this year or next year, but in the years to come with some of those draft picks, they could even maybe package some of those draft picks together to, to go get some other star that they can build around. So 
clearly things in Utah weren't working very well with Mitchell and Gobert, and they blew it up. And they've got a ton of value in return. And this really defines why there's no market for Kevin Durant. And when he made his trade request, Brooklyn was never going to get what KD is valued at because if Donovan Mitchell is worth, you know, three players, three first round picks and two pick swaps and Rudy Gobert is worth pretty much the same, you know, three or four players, picks, pick swaps. I mean, if you're KD, are you trading your entire team away? Because it seemed like if there was a Boston Celtics deal that could be done, it would obviously include Jalen Brown, not Jason Tatum. Um, I I wouldn't do that if I were the Celtics, but it it seems like it would have had to have been that if the Celtics really wanted Kevin Durant. But I think a fair trade is Jalen Brown. Uh, Maybe you get Peyton Pritchard. Robert Williams is probably off the table. You include maybe Al Horford or something like that. And just to make the money work. And then picks, pick swaps. Like that sounds fair to me. But with these deals that the Jazz made, I mean, it makes it incredibly difficult to find any kind of trade package. And that's why Kevin Durant is still in Brooklyn because Brooklyn couldn't find anything. Now, Brooklyn obviously was a little bit too aggressive in terms of what they wanted because they did ask for both Tatum and Jalen Brown. So, like, clearly that's too much. For Jason Tatum, who's a star, a very young star, and I would say Jalen Brown, maybe not a you know a star, but a but pretty darn close to it. That's too much, especially if you're including picks and everything on that. But you know, for Kevin Durant, like it's it's like what what is his true value if Gobert and Mitchell are commanding these kinds of assets? It makes it incredibly difficult. I think another thing, too, if Kevin Durant had been five years younger, I think teams might be more willing to give up a little bit more. But KD obviously is, you know, approaching his mid-30s. So what do you do with that? So I I, kind of understand. But this is really, these trades have really thrown the NBA trade market out of whack, especially if you're looking to trade for a star player. Unbelievably hard for Brooklyn to move a player that asked for a trade when the market is what it is. Crazy. But I'm really excited for Cleveland, though, because they were a playoff team last year, and they'll be even better next year. I really think so. And they didn't... I I really don't think they broke the bank to get Donovan Mitchell. They didn't give up more players than they had to. They're basically just replacing and then losing Laurie Markkinen, but that's fine. Because you still have Kevin Love off the bench. I, I think the Cavs are going to look really good. And the Jazz are building and stockpiling for the future. Now over to the NFL. So the Dallas Cowboys, a couple weeks ago, they lost Tyron Smith, who is going to be a first ballot Hall of Fame left tackle. Lost him to a hamstring injury, which ended up being like an avulsion knee fracture. I think just like everything being connected in there. And uh, he got hurt in practice and had surgery recently. And he's going to be out until at least December. Uh, But if I'm being completely honest right now, this happens just about every year for Dallas and for Tyron Smith. Tyron Smith has had so many problems over the last four or five years of just remaining healthy. 
Uh, it's been very difficult for him to do so. Like when he's on the field and when he plays, even if he's playing not healthy, like he is still a darn good left tackle and one of the better ones in the league. And like I said, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. He will go down as one of the better offensive tackles that have ever played this game. But the Cowboys have known for a while that it's hard for him to stay on the field and they have neglected putting together some kind of succession plan for Tyron Smith. Obviously, they drafted Tyler Smith from Tulsa in the first round this year, but they drafted him to play with Tyron Smith now, not play for him. Because you think about what Dallas lost in the offseason. Lyle Collins leaves. They, they, they cut him. He goes to Cincinnati, and he was one of their better offensive linemen last year. And then Tyron Smith injured just about every year. You lose... Amari Cooper on offense. So it's one less weapon, and it's probably more time that Dak's going to need to find someone to get open. And they don't have a stable center like Tyler Biotish is okay. Zach Martin has had some injuries actually over the last year or two as well. But they have, but they've neglected creating some kind of succession plan for what was once one of the most, most dominant offensive units probably of the last decade or two. This Cowboys offensive line was extremely dominant for a four or five year stretch. Now that's not the case. The idea was that Tyler Smith was probably going to fill in where Lyle Collins played, put him at at right tackle. Uh, And then you have Zach Martin at right guard, Biotish. Connor Williams left in free agency to the Miami Dolphins. So you need to replace your left guard. Maybe you play him at left guard beside Tyron Smith. And then you have Tyron Smith, but now Tyler Smith is going to have to probably play left tackle, which he is versatile. He can play both guard or tackle, so whichever you need him to play. But when you've already went through camp, probably preparing to play left guard, now you got to move the left tackle and you're a rookie and you don't know how the NFL game really is yet as far as the speed and the physicality. It's a lot for a young guy who is not the most disciplined to ask. It's a lot. And the Cowboys have done nothing to really address this now it looks like they're going to be signing veteran and eventual probably first ballot hall of fame tackle jason peters to the roster he brought they brought him in for a visit they're gonna sign him it looks like but again he is an older player who have who's had injury problems so you're really you're replacing a worn out band-aid with another worn out band-aid uh, so i don't know it's obvious, It's something. It works for now, but I, I I don't love what Dallas has done as far as a succession plan for their offensive line. And this offseason has probably been one of the worst ones they've ever had because they haven't really addressed the offensive line. They let a piece go. They only drafted one offensive lineman to develop for the future. They lost Amari Cooper and traded him away and got virtually nothing in return. Randy Gregory signed and then unsigned and went to Denver. So they lost an elite pass rusher, an elite receiver, and a really good offensive lineman in an offseason. Michael Gallup is still hurt. James Washington, who they signed to be their number three, he's hurt, and he's not going to be playing at the start of the season. This Cowboys offense was the best offense in the league last year, which you wouldn't believe it if you're just watching. If you're looking at the numbers, they are. But if you're just watching games, they are not the best offense in the league. And I, I, I don't know how they accrued the numbers that they did because just watching them, they just didn't never pass the eye test. They were so inconsistent. But anyhow, 
The Cowboys have had one of the worst off, off seasons in recent memory, and they're not going to win the NFC East. There hasn't been a repeat winner in the NFC East since 2003, and I think that's going to continue. I think the Philadelphia Eagles will win the NFC East because they have significantly improved their roster. They went out and traded for a number one wide receiver, A.J. Brown, to help out Jalen Hurts. So you have Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard at tight end. Like This looks really good offensively. Defensively, they traded just recently for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, the safety from the New Orleans Saints. That was kind of out of nowhere, but that's a starter. They immediately get to plug into their, their defensive starting lineup. Eagles have made tremendous improvements, and I think they're going to win the NFC East this year because they've made significant improvements. Even if they didn't improve anywhere and they were just where they were, they would still be better than Dallas because Dallas has regressed in several areas. Pass rush, offensive line, wide receiver. We don't know what Zeke's going to look like. You know, he seems like he's banged up every year. Like Dallas has regressed, and Philly, if they had done nothing, they would have surpassed Dallas by just continuing to be the same because Dallas got worse. But now they're they're even better. I think Philly wins the NFC East. And now we'll look at my division winners across the entire NFL. Uh, and so we'll start with the NFC. Obviously, like I said, I think the Eagles win the NFC East. In the NFC North, I think it's going to be close between the Minnesota Vikings and the Green Bay Packers. I can't count out the Packers, even though I don't love their wide receivers. I can't count them out because Aaron Rodgers is still one of the best quarterbacks in the game. But I'm going to give the edge to Minnesota because they have... So many more weapons. Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Irv Smith Jr. is coming back at tight end. Adam Thielen, they just traded for Jalen Rager, which is the hilarious thing about trading for Jalen Rager is that's who the Eagles took before Justin Jefferson, and now the Vikings have both of them. Jalen Rager obviously hasn't panned out very well, but it's good depth for the Vikings. NFC South, Tampa Bay Bucks. even though Tom Brady seems a little off, and truth be told, I'm just... Really, I'm just speculating here. I have no factual evidence behind this, but I do think Tom Brady is probably getting divorced. I think. I just think the the whole 11 day vacation wasn't actually a vacation. I think that was him trying to sort things out with Giselle, his wife, because he said he was going to retire, and then he unretired kind of unexpectedly. And I don't think Giselle was very happy about that. And I think Giselle thought Tom made a promise to be around more be a better husband, better father. Not that he's not a good one of either of those, but just like to be around more. And then decided to pick up the football again. So I think he's going through a divorce, but nonetheless, I don't think there's enough talent across the division to surpass the Bucks. So I'm going to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then in the NFC West, the LA Rams will repeat as a division winner there. Now the AFC, AFC North, I think it's the Baltimore Ravens. Um, Cleveland obviously is not going to be very good because Deshaun Watson is going to be out for 11 games. Uh, the Bengals are going to be right there with Baltimore, I think. Uh, but I'm going to give the edge to Baltimore because they've got a, they, they were the number one seed until, I think, what, week 10 or 11 last year, and then Lamar Jackson got hurt. So I, I think Baltimore, with all the players that they have coming back from injury, they cannot be less healthy than they were last year. I mean, they had so many injuries. 
So I'm going to give the nod to the Ravens with Cincinnati, Cincinnati right behind, then Pittsburgh, and then the Browns, and then AFC South. Indianapolis Colts have made the most improvements. They still need another wide receiver, but you have Jonathan Taylor behind that offensive line. Matt Ryan, I think, is an upgrade at quarterback over Carson Wentz. The defense, pretty solid, and I like Frank Reich as a coach. So I, I, I like the Colts. The Titans have regressed because they don't have A.J. Brown anymore. Derrick Henry, who knows what his health is like. So we'll see. And Ryan Tannehill, although I like him, he is not a transcendent super talented quarterback but he is enough to get you by and they were the number one seed last year so i gotta give them respect i think they might make a wild card but i like indy over tennessee in the south afc west it's the buffalo bills no no need for discussion there and then the afc west it's gonna be the toughest division next year you can make an argument for the chargers broncos chiefs and raiders to be division winners i'm gonna go with the chargers because i think they're a little bit more complete justin herbert had an amazing year last year and I mean, his, his offensive unit is just really good. Good offensive line. Austin Eckler is a really nice receiving back. Great receivers. And then hopefully a healthy defense. If they stay healthy, it's going to be a really good defense. Adding Khalil Mack to that as well. Derwin James hopefully stays healthy. So I like the Chargers in the AFC West, but I don't feel 100% certain in that. Like I really wouldn't be surprised if any of the three other teams won the division. But that'll do it for episode 166. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Will Ford Show. I'll see you in episode 167 as we near closer to the start of the NFL season. See you later. This is WFS, the Will Ford Show. 